0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Miracle Larry podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jack Gush, the moderator of this fine podcast, and I'm joined by the man, Larry Kelly. How are you today, Larry? I'm fine, Dr. Jack. How are you? Great. You know, the good thing about this podcast is I get to talk to you at least once a week um, and, and put it on tape. You know, we talk a lot, but Um, this just adds to the fun. So um, thanks for doing this. Um, We're going to continue this uh, episode, the third episode. We're going to tell more about Larry's story. Like we did last week, we're going to show you um, an excerpt of a video of Larry's story. This time, he gave a keynote address at a major medical conference that I ran back in March of 2023 called Room Now Live. Um, It was viewed by 500 plus rheumatologists nationwide. Um, And when I put Larry on the program, a lot of people came back to me and said, Who the heck is Miracle Larry and why are we listening to him? So he came to the meeting, a total stranger, left everybody's hero and best friend. um, And you're about to see why. And uh, so, Larry, uh, give us a little prelude to or preface to this video. I do want to say right off the bat, Jack,
1: that I, you pay me so many compliments on this podcast and I'm I'm not very good at taking a podcast on taking a compliment on, on film. So uh, this is a new medium for me. So, um, it was an honor that you asked me to give the keynote speech. Um, you know, the parameters I gave is that I'm not going to give you anything written in advance that, uh, uh i just talk and i tell my story and what comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth and um if it was terrible you, you still had to pay me so um you know we we can you know, that that was that was what we decided on and i am honored that you asked me i've been doing a lot of speaking but not this length and not to this audience um yeah and, uh, so and it was thank, a tough audience
0: yeah. it was a, it was a medical audience, and. Um... And man, you had them wrapped around your finger, by the way, the check's still in the mail. Um, so, um, let's listen up. We'll listen to the video. It's about, uh, 18 minutes long. And then we're going to come back with some comments at the end. Okay.
1: I entered the hospital yesterday, St. Patrick's day. And, uh, they've entered me today, three years
2: ago. That's weird, right? A lot of weird stuff in my life.
1: The, uh, My wife came, they called my wife in on March 28th. March 28th, they determined there was no mentation and uh, that I I was uh, clinically brain dead. And um, they allowed my wife and my brother and my daughter um, to record on a cell phone uh, their goodbyes. And they, they brought them up one at a time and they allowed them to go to the glass. And my nurse, Jessica, who I will speak about later, um, God, I love her. The, uh, she went in and held it to my ear and my family got to stand behind the glass. And, uh, my wife said, um, can I take a picture? And, uh, they said, no, it's not allowed. And, uh, when Jessica went in to put the phone, my wife took it anyway. So that's the picture. Um, the, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the numbers out of the way. So we, we get that I was in the coma for 51 days. I was in the hospital for 128. My rehabilitation took two years after that. And all this is happening. So it's be really hard for me to convince you that I went through this because it's amazing to me that I'm standing here talking to you like this. Um, but I never knew I wasn't going to get better. I never knew. I knew I was. The uh, I I I was in a very dark place. I have to explain where this place was. I was, I, you know, I tell people, I try to explain when I when I talk, this is where it gets a little weird. So I, I know you're gonna look at me and say, you're right, he's a little batshit crazy. Okay, the uh, but you just let me let me go where I have to go. The um uh, I uh I didn't see any white light, never saw the white light, but the hardest part for me in the coma. And I was lucid for much of the coma. Um, And uh, I I, I believe now looking back on it that I heard little stuff, but I felt everything they did to me. And, And my mind went to very criminal minds type places. Um, you have to remember that picture this. I enter the hospital and there's these hazmat suits above me waving and saying, uh, we're gonna vent you, we're gonna put you to sleep. I don't even know what that means. I text my wife, they're gonna put me to sleep. I'm terrified. I promise I'll never stop finding it. She held on to that on March 28th, when they said, What would your husband want? Um, and she said, He'd wanna live, and uh, I know she's watching virtually. And uh, I, I tell people, I play poker, I tell people my life is 50-50. My wife had two choices, yes or no, and she said no. And, uh, and we have a lot of life insurance. I thought I was a goner. I was sitting there, I said, I have too much life insurance, she's gonna say yes. She's gonna, I, I, I swear to you that was going through my mind. Right before they met to me, I said, I'm done the yeah but she didn't thank you honey the uh the I, I i i when I opened my eyes, i remember the first thing i thought, oh where I was in the coma i i i i i felt what they did to me i uh i had delusions it was it was it was very weird i uh but and i'm intelligent enough to try and think that maybe there was something connected in in reality that was making me have these specific delusions so uh i i have to tell you stories and if, and one of my after effects of this is that i have no filters so you'll have to bear with me if i offend anybody or say anything that's offensive i i was brain dead remember okay the uh um the uh my my nurse that I'm very close to that We go we 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 go out and have lunch and I talk because we know we experience something. And I what you guys do, you doctors and you farmer and nurses, nurses and aides, I you are the you are the heroes. You are the he- the recent heroes in America. What you do, what I am here. The nurses, I, I have so many angels. I have so many, I have uh I'm with Jessica in the bar. And I'm talking to her, and this this is, this is a little weird. So, just and, and like I said, you gotta go with me. The uh, and I I one of my delusions was uh, that I was uh, gang raped in Aidenley and it was it was horrific. And it was terrifying. And uh, so I said to Jess because I was trying to think if there was anything connected. So I said to her, I said Jess, did you stick anything up my ass? She said uh, she said we stuck a lot of things up your ass. I said. She goes, how do you think coma patients relieve themselves? I went, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I I jumped out, I knew it. And she went, and we laughed for 15 minutes, I got tears. She goes, well, you seem to enjoy it in your life. So it must've worked. For many things that they learned in the movie. And I was the guinea pig and I know that Jack um, is responsible for steroids. There's just two things I know for sure that I'm responsible That should, And the other one is my nurse, Jessica, and she tells the story of, of six people around my bed, three doctors, three nurses, and they're sitting there going, What do we do now? Oh, I don't know. They're trying to figure out what do we do? I'm lying. I'm, 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 and uh, she said she was very into proning. She said, Prone Let's prone them. Let's prone them. And the doctors going, like, oh, I know. I, I gave you the research. She said, I gave you the research. Here it is. Let's prone them. And uh, so, and it takes six people to prone someone on a ventilator. It's a huge process, and I they proned me. Jessica travels around the country teaching hospitals how to prone COVID patients or patients on ventilators. So I know. And uh, my, the first thing I ever spoke at six minutes. I'm going six and a half. The first thing I spoke at was uh, um 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 um. Uh, the September after I came home, I came home in July, July 22nd. Um, that September, uh, Mount Sinai called me if I would speak in a webinar. And it was a uh, three dozen doctors and nurses. And um, it was they were sitting in two tables, U-shaped. And before I started speaking, remember, I just came home. So I was like, uh, yeah, I said, uh, um, before I start, can you please raise your hand if, if you actually worked on me? And every one of them raised their hand. And uh, I said, thank you. I don't know what else to say, thank you. But um, but I, I said to them, I'm glad we're doing this because I thought you guys ghosted me. And they said to me, my main doctor, Dr. Myrna, and I'll show her coming up. I might as well do it now. This That's Jessica on the left. That's my nurse. That's Dr. Myrna Maharaj. They're both beautiful Italian. She's a beautiful Indian woman. I love them dearly. These are my angels. And if you see them, they're my angels. And uh, the Dr. Myrna was, was the one running that that webinar. And uh, she, uh, um, um, okay, I'm coming back, I'm drifting again. It happens every now and then. Um, let me say this. A year and a half after I came home was the first time I went back to Mount Sinai. And I, I, was, I was across the street at my neurology appointment. I knew Jessica was working. So I texted and I said, Jess, I said, uh, I'm across the street in a neurology appointment. I know you're working. I'm waving to you, but you can't see me. There's a building between us. And she said, Larry, you have to come over. You have to come over. There's so many people here that worked in you in March 2020. Please, you have to come over. I said, I'm at an appointment. She said, after your appointment, come over. I said, okay, okay, okay. So I go over and the security and... She goes, this is a miracle, you know, I walk right in. I get, you know, I'm big shot now. I'm big shot. You know, the, the, uh, so I walk, I go upstairs, and I have to tell you, everybody, um, going back to Mount Sinai was the most emotional day of my life. It still is. The entire staff is standing in a row and they're all crying. And they all want to take a, a, a photo. And they they I, and I don't know what's going on, and they they want to take a selfie and a photo, and they're crying. So I'm crying my eyes out, and I cry a lot now, every hour on the hour. The, uh, um, and I and I'm thanking them for never giving up on me. And they said to me, and this makes me feel really good that I went through this. They said, Mr. Kelly, you're the reason we kept going. You you have no idea. Everybody was dying. These these nurses, my, Jessica, she she they they're taking strangers' bodies and throwing them in ice trucks. Imagine this. These are nurses, that come. they signed up for, there's a nursing shortage all around our country. And a lot of it's from COVID. They, they're like Vietnam vets. They they have PTSD that you cannot explain. I have it. I, sometimes I don't go to sleep until four o'clock in the morning because I still, and they know that I know that they know that I know that they know. and. We, we can connect and talk like that but the uh one of the story fast story this is it I, I left I was taken out of ICU and I was sent to palliative care you know that's the last stop on the heaven highway the uh so they sent me to palliative care the uh the man who took care of me there I left Jessica it was a middle-aged Latino man named Luis he was uh he was there um and I said to Jessica I said Jessica is the man who took care of me over palliative care is
2: he here she goes uh, he retired
1: three months ago, but he came in today to volunteer. I said, "What?" She goes, "I'm telling you, he came in today to volunteer." I said, "Well, I'd like to talk to him." She says, "Come on, come on." So the nurses' station's there, and we're in this hallway, and behind the nurses' station, I hear the other hallway is a desk, and he's in full hazmat suit, right? and said, that's him. That's him over there. So I walk behind the desk. I go over and Lewis, I stand next to him. I go, I got a mask on. He's got a full suit on, but I got the mask on. He goes, I go. how are you doing? He goes, good. How are you? I said, I'm I'm fine. How are you? He goes, well, I'm good. How are you? I said, I'm just standing. I said, I'm going to stand there. It's quiet. And I said, uh, you don't recognize me. And uh, he goes, no, sorry. I don't. So like Batman, I take my mask off, right? And I'm telling you, this man drops to his knees and he starts bawling his eyes out. And I said, get the fuck, I said, get up. I said, what are you doing? Get up, get up. He he said, Mr. Kelly, I have to tell you this story. He says, I was was your attending nurse on Easter Sunday that morning when you open your eyes. And I'm running through the halls. He opened his eyes. He opened his eyes. He says, the entire floor came into your room, surrounded your bed. And I look down at you. And your eyes are closed. And you're lying there. He says, and they're all looking at me going, Lewis, it's time to retire. You got to retire. He said, I'm telling his eyes. He opened his eyes. He says, they all leave. And he had to tell me this story. They all leave. And I looked down at you. and said, you made me look like a fool. And you opened your eyes. So that's the two stories I had to tell there. Um, I, like I said, the only message I have that I speak about is, uh, and uh, I, I, I believe I'm here. Um, I believe I was in what the Catholics call purgatory. I spent a, a tremendous amount of time in the coma, uh, begging for my soul. And uh, there was something there and no one can ever tell me there wasn't something there. But there was a presence, and the hardest part for me in the coma was I personified the virus. I look at coronavirus as a living organism, and I'm a living organism and i i I know this virus better than anybody, It has one purpose that's to kill us all and it's it's got to be stopped it's got to be defeated i i the hardest part for me, I cursed the virus. Is that oh, all you got. To give it to me. You don't know what you're dealing with. Give it to me. And then I start praying and saying, I can't do it alone. Don't leave me. And then I started begging. And then I started begging to whoever. Because praying wasn't enough. And I went through this anger, praying, begging, anger, praying, begging, which seemed like an eternity. Mm. That
0: was tough. That, that ending was really, um, you left, you had people in in the palm of your hand, and many of them were weeping at that point. Um, it's a very, um, it's quite a roller coaster. Um, do you have any thoughts looking back at it, Larry, about uh,
2: telling a story? Your microphone. Thanks, Jack. Um
1: uh, at some point in the, in the podcast we we will talk a lot about um in, inside the coma um what what what's what's fascinating to me about all of this a is that it happened to me and and b is that it, it's all true
2: um you know um it's uh, you know, when Mount Sinai
1: says to me that I um, there aren't many people that can talk about inside the coma, and and I know that I can, and there's so many things I don't even talk about because uh, it's it's, it's maybe in this podcast we will at some point, but you know that there the, there was a, there was a lot of ugliness and uh, you know. Um, Do you think you know, a lot? A lot of COVID patients um, say they have reminders of terror, and uh, I, I did. But it, in my case, it was so prolonged. It was, um, yeah, I'm a little I think proud of myself. I'm a little proud of myself.
0: It answers the question that medical professionals and families often asked when someone's in a coma, can they hear you? And you're telling your side of this is tremendously hopeful for many, many people, which means that you never stop talking. Um, you never assume they can't hear you. And I, I believe most of those ICU nurses and doctors and technicians that were taking care of you behaved in that way. But I got to imagine, um, Again, you're taking in all that your your brain, although it was under attack, um, was still working, and and you probably did hear the positive comments. You probably did hear the negative comments, like a respiratory therapist coming in saying this guy's got no chance of living, you know, and the nurse is probably saying, "Shut up, you don't know that," you know, and that, that kind of these kind of conversations, and you probably and I the, the one question that's hardest about your story is why right and i th- i think it boils down to will you had tremendous will your family had tremendous will those nurses and doctors had tremendous will so many people pulling for you the motivation from what you might have heard probably gave you more will
1: i um you know when 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 we talk at some point about the concept of uh god or uh, you know the holy spirit or whatever um there's a, a a part of me was was feeling and you can call it energy um when I found out what was going on outside and uh, remember everything I'm told is told to me, so anything I repeat, somebody told me <laughs> somebody told me so the uh, and but i i i I will always contend that there was something, not not just me and not just medicine and not just skilled clinicians, but there was something else. There was an energy that, uh, and that's only what people tell me. You know,
0: anyway. I, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> angels. That's, your angels are ever-present in your yeah. story. But, uh, not,
1: but uh, my friends, I just... Yeah. they told me what they were doing but my, what i like my, but, but
0: let's let's end this one
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: well what i like about your story and i'll end with the, the, this is that you give so much credit and um pay so much respect to those nurses and hospital people who were there 24/7 for 156 days you know and and they you know they're difference makers and, uh,
1: Jack, it, it, you know, if I, it's, it's hard for me to be with someone who, uh, complains about their doctors or, uh, you know, he did this and he made it worse. And I, I can't even listen to stuff like that anymore. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I, I want to hurt them myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, it's, um, what, what
2: everything,
1: the medical professional do is to help people and to save lives just on that level alone is it's 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 mind-boggling to me and uh and the fact that they never gave up or you know it's anyway
0: well from the medical side i could tell you that covid changed everything the way we practice what we did on a daily basis what we were asked to do skills that we learned a long time ago we're asked to resurrect and become expert at right quick, and, uh, mm-hmm. and that showed up for you big time in your story. So, well, Jack, you... I
1: just just the last thing, you know, the um, I uh, this podcast is good, and you know what 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 I do now is good because I you know I know a lot of people want to forget about COVID, but there's a lot we learned from COVID there's a lot. And if we forget it, it's going to happen again, there will be another, there will be another pandemic. And it may even be in our lifetime. I I have a feeling they're going to start coming a lot. Um, And, you know, we have to learn from what we did before. You know, that old adage, um, if you don't learn from the past, you're bound to repeat it, right? I look at COVID that way. I mean, COVID is COVID is what I'm about now, whether
0: whether I like
1: it or not, or whether people like hearing me talk about it. Um, that that was a you know once in a century pandemic, and uh, it's
0: uh... so it makes sense to the audience that COVID's about what you're about, but we hope to convince the audience that COVID still is changing us and our society and the way we think. And we'll cover that in future episodes. Larry, thanks for this one. It was very good. Dr.
1: Jack, who loves you?
2: Only you.
0: Keep the
1: faith. It's all good.
2: All right. Take care, everyone.